Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17 with me this morning. I'll meet you over there. Sometimes you might ask the question, how does a church get started? How do you go from a town with no Bible-believing congregation to a place where there's a lighthouse of the gospel of Jesus Christ? This is a question that our evangelist, our church planting evangelist, ask as they go to places and seek to see people come to Christ, to see those people become disciples or followers of Christ, and eventually to see a church planted. Acts chapter 17, in the first nine verses, details the planting of a church in the city of Thessalonica. It's a city that still exists today, although the church that was planted there has ceased to exist. Others have sprung up in its place in other locations. But Acts chapter 17 is the story of how this church came to be. And in the planting of this church, we find something about the pursuit of souls, which is what I want to speak to you about this morning how you and I ought to be in pursuit of the souls of men. Acts 17, verse 1, the scripture says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, And gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus." And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And then we see in verse 10 that they were sent away from Thessalonica and they went to the next place where they would preach the gospel. One of the benefits of the book of Acts is that it gives us the opportunity to examine the methods of the apostles to see how it was that they went into a place where the gospel had not been preached and they opened up that field with the gospel and what God did as a result of the preaching of the gospel. And I'd like to take a few minutes this morning to examine here in Acts chapter 17 how Paul came into Thessalonica because I believe there's some description here which is helpful to us And certainly instructive for us as we consider what God would have us to do as his people in this world in which we are living. So as we think about pursuing souls, 
The first thing I want to point out to you here in Acts chapter 17 is that you and I, if you're a child of God and I'm a child of God, we must establish a habit of pursuing souls. We ought to have a habit that is a pattern of life that is the pursuit of souls. You'll notice in verse number two that as it speaks about them coming to Thessalonica, it uses a word in verse two about Paul. It says, Paul, as his manner was. That word manner is very interesting because it speaks about his habit or his routine. It was the normal thing that the apostle Paul did when he came to a place He pursued after the souls of men. There was a particular way that he tended to do that. But I want you to understand that Paul had a habit of pursuing after souls. I've asked you to think about this question before. It's something that we ought to ponder and we really ought to ask God to help us with. You know that we support different missionaries in different places in the world who are busy evangelizing and sharing the gospel and hopefully seeing churches planted. And part of that support is that we expect from time to time a missions report from them. We'd like to hear from them who it is that they're sharing the gospel with and who they're working with. Are they doing Bible studies? How are they getting the word of God out into the communities where they are ministering? Now, what I want you to think about is this. What if you needed to write a mission report once a month to explain to the missionaries about what you are doing back here in our mission field? What kind of names would you be able to put on the page to say, here's someone that I want you to pray for. Here's someone that I shared the gospel with. Here's someone that I'm talking to. Here's someone that I'm doing a Bible study with. Would you have any names to put into that letter? Now, most of us are not going to be asked to write that kind of a missions prayer report. But we expect that from our missionaries. Wouldn't it stand to reason that as the people of God, as the congregation here in the Lehigh Valley, we ought to be able to give that kind of a report and share with others the habit that we have of pursuing souls? When it says in verse 2 that Paul had a manner or a habit, it means it was the thing that he normally did. He often went to new places, and this is exactly what he did in every place that he went, city after city. Paul and his companions determined that they would share the gospel everywhere they went. Actually, in the Great Commission, when the Bible says that we are to go with the gospel, the implication is that we are to go with the gospel as we go about our life. So as we are doing the things that we normally do, as we go to work, as we frequent the store, as we're in our neighborhood, as we interact with our family, God's desire is for us to be going with the gospel. Now bear in mind that it says that this was Paul's manner And yet this was on the heels of an unlawful imprisonment and beating that Paul and Silas had just endured. If there was ever a time for them to step aside and say, you know, I think we're going to take a break from preaching the gospel, it would be now. And yet this is not what they did. When they came to town, they followed their habit and they went right back to preaching the gospel to the people that God brought across their path. 
Now, as we establish a habit of pursuing souls, I want to ask you this question. How can you and I develop a habit of pursuing souls? Let me give you four suggestions. First of all, I believe that we ought to take note of our habit of sharing souls or or sharing the gospel with souls. In other words, think about this question. When was the last time that you talked to someone about Jesus? When is the last time that you shared the gospel with someone and told them what the Lord has done for you? Now, be honest with yourself. Has it been a day? Has it been a week? Has it been a month? Has it been a year? Has it been five years? Or ten years? Or heaven forbid, has it been 20 years since you last shared the gospel with someone? Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we've got to take note. We can say all we want that we're the followers of Christ, but if we're never telling anyone about Christ, are we really following him? Let's take note. Let's look at the habits of our life. If we're living a life that is consistently never sharing the gospel, something is not right in our relationship with God. So the first thing we need to do is take note. The the thing about habits is... If you never pay attention to what you're actually doing, you never will change your habits. So if you can identify that you are not sharing the gospel, then you can make the changes that you need to. Or if you say, you know what, I'm consistently sharing the gospel on many different occasions. Praise the Lord for that, but take note. Then the second thing that you and I can do is we can ask God for opportunities. If you say, okay, I want to... I want to establish a habit of pursuing souls. You can say, Lord, would you please help me? Open my eyes. Give me opportunities to interact with people. Bring people across my path that are seeking after you. Please, Lord, use me as a vessel. You know, as we study the book of Acts, what we find is that the Apostle Paul is consistently sharing the gospel with people. And I don't think that ought to be an anomaly for a Christian. I think... Here we, we live in a world of, what is it, approaching 8 billion people. And we would have to admit that the vast majority of those people do not understand the gospel, do not know the Lord Jesus Christ personally. So it stands to reason that there's lots and lots of fish in the pond, if you want to put it that way. There's lots of opportunities to share the gospel. So let's ask God, Lord, would you help me? Would you show me those opportunities? Give me those, uh, those chances. And while you're asking, you might ask God to give you boldness to open your mouth. So ask God for opportunities and ask him for boldness. But then the third thing that I would suggest to you is that we need to make some preparation make some preparation. Have you ever noticed that it's hard to hand a gospel tract to someone if you don't have a gospel tract? Did you ever go to reach? This happened to me the other day. I put on a jacket that I haven't worn since last year and I was somewhere and I went to reach for a tract and I had some tracts in my pocket and I pulled them out and they were all in the wrong language. I wasn't prepared. So I didn't have an opportunity, see, because I had not made proper preparation. 
So if I make preparation, I'm asking God to give me opportunities and then I'm going to go into my day expecting that God is going to give me those opportunities. I've asked him for it. I want to be prepared so that when those opportunities come, I can share the gospel with people. Make preparation. That preparation might be putting a gospel tract in your pocket or your purse. It might be thinking about the type of question that you would want to ask someone It might be that you would be thinking about someone that you're probably going to see in that day and thinking about how you might approach a conversation with them. But I'm saying to you, if we don't prepare, we're probably not going to preach. A fourth practical suggestion is that we ought to be intentional in our conversations with other people. No doubt, as you go through the course of your day, you may talk to different folks. You may have an opportunity to speak with people about their soul. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me the other day. I'll be honest with you, it flabbergasted me. I was totally unprepared for this, but I was sitting doing some work. I was actually actually having my devotions, and I was preparing uh, as well some thoughts to share with you in a message And I was sitting there at my computer, and my phone rang. And it was a number that I didn't recognize. And I don't normally answer those, but for some reason, I answered. And I said, hello. And it became clear on the other side that this person on the other end of the line wanted to sell something to me, services to me, for our Bible study courses. And I thanked the man and told him that we didn't, Uh, have need of those services at this time. And uh, to be honest with you, I was just trying to get him off the line so I could get back to work, kind of like you might have been if you got a sales call. And I was just about ready to hang up. In fact, the phone was going down and I was about to slide it to off. And I heard his voice say, "Uh, excuse me, Roland, excuse me, Roland, do you have a verse for me today? And I, I thought, a verse for me? Now I almost hung up. And then I thought, no, wait a second. So I picked the phone back up and I said, a verse? He said, yes, you're a Bible study, so do you have a verse to share with me today? <laughs> okay, well, this is interesting. So it just happened that I had my Bible open and I said, you know, it just happens that I was reading here in this place in the scriptures and I was able to share a Bible verse with him. And I said, would you mind if I had a word of prayer with you on the phone, right? Oh, I would love that. And so I prayed with him and he said, thank you so much. You have a blessed day. And he hung up (laughs) and I got off the phone and I thought that is not what I was expecting. That's not the kind of sales call that I was expecting to have. I'm just saying to you that we have to be prepared and then we have to be intentional in our conversations. Who knows? Maybe you could ask the person calling you if they have something to pray about or you could share a verse with them instead of waiting for them to ask. Maybe it would be better if we were more intentional in our conversations, not just on the phone, but Through the course of our day, we talk with people, we interact with them, we come across their path, and we talk about all sorts of things. How's the weather? What do you think about the Phillies or the Eagles? Hey, uh, what about the economy? Boy, the, the last election, this thing and that thing. 
Is there any greater topic for us to talk about than the gospel of Jesus Christ? As God's people, we ought to be intentional in our conversations. You can see in Acts 17 too, that Paul was intentional about raising the subject of Christ. He was intentional about communicating the gospel. There is no coincidence that Paul often had opportunities to share the gospel because he had a habit of pursuing souls. I'm asking you this morning, do you have a habit of pursuing souls? Second of all, you and I need to use some strategy in pursuing souls. Now you'll notice in verse 2, it says that Paul's manner was that he went in unto them. Who is the them that is being spoken about in verse 2? Well, it's referring to the end of verse number 1, where it says that there was a synagogue of the Jews in Thessalonica. So Paul went into the synagogue, and he began to speak to those people. And three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. Now, we'll get to verse 3 in a minute. But understand that Paul had a certain strategy when he came into a new town. It was a strategy that was largely based upon his own background and strengths. Namely, the fact that he had been trained under the feet of Gamaliel, who was one of the most famous rabbis in Judaism at that time. That means that he had some credentials to his name. When Paul went into a synagogue, he could introduce himself as one who had sat at the feet of Gamaliel as a Pharisee, and he would be invited to sit in front of the people and read from the scriptures and instruct them. So Paul took advantage of this particular aspect of who he was. And when he came into a new town, he would always go to the synagogue and he would introduce himself And then he would take that opportunity to systematically preach the gospel to them. Now, what you'll notice in these verses is that Paul preached a Jewish message to Jewish people. He reasoned with them from the Old Testament scriptures. He spoke to them about Christ, that is, the Messiah, and he pointed out to them that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. But he did that by appealing to a foundation that had been laid in their lives through the application of the Old Testament scriptures. In other words, the Christ that he was preaching was the Christ that they were looking for. This was something that was built into their culture. He used the Old Testament scriptures to prove his point And what I'm pointing out to you is that in using strategy, you and I need to really have in our mind something about the people that we are approaching with the gospel. Now, there are things that are true universally about mankind, about every human being. Some of those things are revealed in Scripture. Things like the Bible says that we all have a conscience. The Bible says that our conscience resonates with the law of God. So the law of God is going to speak to the heart of every man, even if they're not schooled in the law. The Bible tells us that 
the knowledge of God or the understanding that God exists is in the world all around us, and every human being can see that even if they are suppressing that knowledge. Those are things that are universally true of mankind. But then people have peculiarities that relate to their religion, their culture, and their background. And these peculiarities can be keys or entrances, doors, that we can walk through in order to present the gospel to those people. Now, there's people that you may understand better because of your own background. In Paul's case, he had a Hebrew background, so he understood a lot about the way that the Hebrew mind worked. And he was able to present the gospel to people like that. What's interesting about Paul is that he also understood some things about how a more secular mind worked. And he would approach those people in a little different way in trying to gain a hearing of the gospel. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about when you say we need to use strategy? Well, I'm talking about this. First of all, how are we going to get someone to stop and listen to the gospel? In other words, what are the things that might pique their interest? What are the things that might cause them to say, oh, I'd like to hear more about that. Let me point something out to you that is more universal in nature about no matter what religion someone has, if they're not a follower of Christ, those people have no real security of their salvation. Because everything is related to their performance and whether or not their God will be pleased enough. So that would be like someone who's coming from a Jewish background or someone who's coming from a Muslim background or someone who's coming from more of a Protestant background or a Catholic Catholic background. This would be true of them that they really have no assurance of what's going to happen to them after they die. This would be true of of, of the cult groups because they don't really have an assurance of what happens after they die. And as a Christian, this is a strength that we have because we can share our confidence in the promise of God and we can appeal to the fact that they do not have a no-so salvation. So this is one point of strategy that you might be able to use. As you examine the, the beliefs that a person has, you'll find that there will be different openings to be able to uh, enter into and begin to talk to them about the gospel. You say, well, pastor, I, how would I possibly understand what someone else believes? Well, here's an interesting thing. If you don't already know because you haven't studied, and by the way, no one can know all the things that all the people in the world believe. There's so many different systems of belief. You say, how could I prepare myself? Well, you have a very powerful tool at your disposal. Do you know what it is? Questions. Asking questions. Showing a genuine curiosity about what someone else believes. You know, most people enjoy talking about what they believe. They enjoy talking about the things that make them tick the things that interest them. And most people, especially if they have some kind of a religious allegiance, would be glad to share with you their perspective. And as you ask them questions and listen to their answers, you will learn about the beliefs that they have and inevitably you will find an opening for sharing the gospel with them. 
We're going to have to learn to use strategy. I find all too often that God's people are terrified of sharing the gospel with someone who believes differently than them. But if you only ever talk with people who believe exactly like you, how are you going to share the gospel with people who need to be saved? Do you understand what I'm saying? If we hide in our corner and say, I don't know how to talk to people who believe differently than me, then you've narrowed the playing field significantly. We've got to learn to use strategy. Another part of using strategy in pursuing souls is that we need to really have in mind that some of the terms that we use may need to be defined. You know, depending on who you're talking about or talking to, the name of Jesus may mean something very different to them. You say, but that's very clear. That's the name of Jesus that's revealed in the Bible. I understand that, but there's a lot of confusion in religion about who the biblical Jesus is, so there might need to be some definition of terms. You, you could use terms with people like, have you ever been saved? And they might have a wrong association with that word. Now, that's a biblical word. There's nothing wrong with using it, but you might want to test that person's understanding to make sure you're talking about the same thing. Again, because of the amount of confusion that exists in the world, you and I may need to identify and define some terms to make sure that they're clearly understanding what we're talking about. And some different angles to sharing the gospel may need to be considered. I remember uh, years ago learning something called the Romans Road. And some of you learned the Romans Road. And you could go in your Bible to the book of Romans and you could lead someone through the Romans Road. There's nothing wrong with that. There's lots of great verses in the Romans Road. Some of you are familiar with the four-week Bible study that we use here. Some of you are familiar with the method of using the law of God uh, to, to bring someone to a point of conviction. But you know, depending on the person that you're talking to, there may be a different angle to open a conversation, to begin to speak to them. And you really have to give some thought to that. You have to ponder and ask the Lord to give you wisdom. I'm simply saying to you that you and I ought to use strategy in pursuing souls. We ought to be intentional and we ought to be strategic in pursuing souls. Third of all, if we are going to pursue souls, you and I must preach the gospel. We must preach the gospel. Listen to me very carefully. There is not a thing wrong with inviting someone to church. And I hope that you invite people to come to church. But inviting someone to church is not preaching the gospel. There is a difference between those two things. Again, I'm not against you inviting people to church. I hope that you will. But just inviting someone to church is not going to communicate to them the message of the gospel. Notice what Paul did in verse 3. It says he is opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. What is the gospel? The gospel is the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins and according to the Scriptures. No matter who you are talking to, this is 
the message. No matter the approach to begin the conversation, the gospel is what we must get to. We want to make sure that we're not just having nebulous conversations about spiritual topics and arguing with people about different talking points. We need to point out to them that there is hope of eternal life and that hope is found in none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus has died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again from the dead. And this is a true message. This is a life-changing message. This is the message that people need to hear. Now, as Paul preached the gospel, he used the scriptures and he was opening and alleging. In other words, the, the import of that phrase is that he systematically presented the gospel to them in a way that made sense to their ears and their heart. I was challenged with this thought the other day. I was reading a book, and in that book, I was challenged with this thought about the sower and the seed. You remember the four soils and the sower that Jesus talked about? And he talked about the very first ground that the seed went on was the wayside. It was a path that was trodden down. It was very hard. And the seed went there and the birds came and they snatched it away. And in the interpretation of that parable, Jesus said that that wayside was... Uh, describing the heart of someone who hears and they understand not. And because of that, Satan snatches the seed away very quickly. And here's the thought that I was struck with or that I was challenged with. When we present the gospel, do people understand it? You know, I could get someone and get face to face with them and tell them the gospel. And to them, it sounds like blah, 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 blah. And they walk away from that conversation having no comprehension of what was said. I don't want that to happen. I want to make sure that that person understands the gospel. Now, that's not going to guarantee that they're going to respond properly to the gospel. And I realize that not everybody is going to have an open and receptive heart Uh, Not all of this has to do with us, but I do want to point out to you that if we're careful in preaching the gospel, we will be careful about making sure that the other person is understanding. Sometimes we're so afraid in sharing the gospel that if we get the chance, we kind of just blurt everything out as fast as we can and go, all right, I did it. And we walk away. But did the other person understand what we said? Did they comprehend what we were talking about? Or did we use so many things that are familiar to us, but not familiar to them, that they walked away confused about what we were talking about? Did you ever listen? My son and I were listening to a podcast on the way back from the airport the other evening, mostly to keep me awake while I was driving. And we both at some point in the middle of that podcast, looked at each other and said, do you understand what in the world this guy is talking about? And Isaac said, I have no idea what he's talking about. He's using all these words that I don't understand. I said, me too. So we turned it off. We were not, our heart was hard. I'm sure it was a great topic that we could have learned something from, but it was totally bouncing off of us because honestly, we didn't understand what he was talking about. 
But as Christians, we want to be careful not to do that when we preach the gospel. Sometimes, can I, can I share something with you? Sometimes less is more. We're always thinking about, now how do I get the whole message? I want to dump the whole truckload on this person. Now, if you had a more modest goal of leaving them with something to think about, something that would provoke their, their, their thinking and cause them to ask some further questions, instead of trying to give them everything that you know about that subject. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Did, did you ever get in a conversation with someone who was passionate about something and they just told you everything they know and you walked away from that thinking, I have no idea what they were talking about? You have. And I wonder how often we leave people with that impression about the gospel because we're not being careful. You know, for three weeks, the Apostle Paul was carefully laying a foundation from the scriptures about who Christ is and why the Old Testament scriptures call for a Christ who is exactly like Jesus and why Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those prophecies. So Paul systematically presented to them Jesus Christ over a course of several weeks. And because he did that carefully, Jesus was brought to their attention. And obviously here in the scriptures, it says in verse 4, some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas. That idea of consorted means they cast their lot with them. They said, we're, we're going to be followers of Christ like you are. In other words, they experienced the change of life that comes to those who believe the gospel. The gospel was preached and the gospel made a difference. Now, I don't know about you, but as a Christian, I love to be a part of this process. I love when God allows me to be a part of seeing someone become a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to do that more. I want to be involved in that process. But in order to do that, you and I must learn to clearly and concisely preach the gospel. Could you preach the gospel to someone in less than five minutes? You could. Does it always have to take an hour? What if you only have 30 seconds? What could you say to them that would leave them thinking? Do you understand what I'm saying? We must preach the gospel. We must take the opportunities that God gives to us, and we must preach the gospel. Too often, we get busy talking about our church. We get talking about our religion. We get busy talking about our morals or the way that we live our life. But let's talk about Jesus. Let's tell people about Jesus who has changed our life. We must preach the gospel. If we're going to pursue souls, we must establish this habit and we must use strategy and we must preach the gospel. But then, if we're going to pursue souls, we must be ready to endure opposition and persecution. I mean, verse 4 is wonderful. Some people got saved. And... We have the benefit of knowing from the book of 1 Thessalonians about what happened in these people's lives. I mean, God did a tremendous work in this place. There was a great movement towards God. A, a, a thriving, healthy church was established. People became followers of Jesus Christ. Wonderful! But in just a short period of time, 
there was some persecution that came. Now, this becomes a hallmark of Paul's ministry. Everywhere that he goes and preaches the gospel, there is resistance. We have a little bit of trouble with this in our generation because we don't want people to be upset. We don't want them to be offended. We, we don't want to cause any difficulty in people's minds. We, we want them to be open to us as, as friends and, and to like us. And sometimes, I, I don't know any other way to put it, the gospel is offensive. And sometimes people will take offense at the gospel. Now, don't let it be said that they're taking offense at you. In other words... Don't be abrasive, don't be rude, don't be arrogant, don't be holier than thou. None of those things are fitting for a Christian. If there is an offense, let it not be with you, but let it be with the gospel. But let's also remember that Jesus is a stumbling stone. Why is that? Because in order to follow Jesus, in order to take Jesus as your Lord and Savior... There is a measure of repentance that needs to take place. Uh, There is a turning from some things that needs to take place. There is a surrender of one's own ability to save oneself. There is an admitting that Jesus is the only way. And this becomes a stumbling block to many people. In this case, verse 5, some Jews that were in that synagogue became offended at this message They did not believe on Jesus. Verse 5 says they they were moved with envy. That is, they didn't like the fact that Paul was getting a following with this new message that he was preaching. And so they went out and they found some people to help them. I was listening to a fellow from down south preach this passage one time and he read it this way. Took unto them certain lewd fellers of the basser sort. Might have misinterpreted that a little bit. (laughs) Certain lewd fellows, that is, they followed after a way of wickedness of the baser sort. They were men who were not interested in the things of God. They were men who were motivated perhaps by money. And they were able to be bought. And so they gathered these men together and they said to them, we want you to cause trouble. Because... Paul preached the gospel, someone was causing trouble. And I don't know about you, but I would feel like, what's going on here? I don't want to be a part of trouble being caused. But I want to point out to you that if you're going to preach the gospel, trouble is going to come sometimes. These people got violent about the gospel. They set all the city on an uproar. They assaulted the house of Jason, one of the new believers, and they sought to bring him out to the people. And they're all upset about this. And Paul and Silas, his team, they have to hide. They have to get out of the spotlight because it's become very dangerous for them. Persecution is going to come not only upon Paul and those who are preaching the gospel, but also upon those who are new believers Paul's going to leave town and they're going to stay there and endure some persecution. And often we're hesitant. We say, Lord, I I don't want to have to endure persecution. I, I don't want to have to go through hardship. But didn't the Bible tell us that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution? 
Didn't the Bible tell us that the world will be resistant to the message of the gospel? Now, don't go out and try to stir up trouble. Just preach the gospel and it'll take care of itself. But we must be ready to endure some persecution. The the honest truth is we need to get a little more of this attitude that we are soldiers of the cross of Christ. There may be difficulty that we have to endure. There may be trouble that is coming. But are we willing to pay the price so that some will be saved? Clearly, Paul was willing to pay that price. Clearly, Paul wanted people to come to know the Lord, and he was willing to sacrifice of himself while he pursued after souls. You and I need to pursue after souls. Now, I want you to think about this, the things that we've talked about this morning. And in this upcoming week, I want you to ask, Lord, would you help me to develop the habit of pursuing after souls? I want you to think about something very specific. Most of us are going to have the opportunity to interact with some unsaved family and friends over the next few days. It is a time, traditionally in our country, where people gather together. This may or may not be the case for you, but if it is, why don't you ask the Lord to help you develop some strategy? I know what we're all told. At family gatherings, two things you should never talk about. Religion and politics. Right? But maybe you should ask the Lord, Lord, would you help me to be able to open a conversation with someone over this holiday season to share with them the hope that I have in Christ? Listen, brethren. All around us, people put up a facade of disinterest in the gospel. They they put up a facade of everything is fine, I don't need this message. And initially, if you query them, if you probe a little bit, they might push back. But deep down inside, there's a lot of people around you who are looking for answers to the questions of life. If you learn to be wise and you seek to be strategic... And you ask God to give you boldness. I am confident of this. God can give you opportunities to share the gospel with someone. And I want to urge you to ask God to help you establish this habit. And then look for some ways that you can be strategic in pursuing souls. And then be determined to preach the gospel when you get that opportunity. With clarity and conviction to preach the gospel so that people know that Jesus is the only way of salvation and be ready to endure some of the pushback, some of the resistance to the message of the gospel. Because, brethren, this world is not all there is. Do you realize this week you might look someone eyeball to eyeball that is going to be in eternity by next week? Do you realize how important this subject is? And how, as God's people, we must be diligent to pursue souls.